there's a new text feature that we have set up. So if you want to get in touch with me, include your either social media handle or email so I can get back to you. Enjoy the episode. Paul Rosenblum is a bookkeeper, not an accountant or a CPA. Although the information comes from accounting professionals, the information in this podcast is meant to give you enough good information to have a conversation and dialogue with your tax professional about subjects discussed on this podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Not Boring, Boring Small Business Bookkeeping and Accounting Podcast. My name is Paul Rosenblum, bookkeeper, QuickBooks trainer, and accounting and bookkeeping trainer in online webinars. After you form an entity for your company and decide what software to use and start spending money and tracking startup expenses, as we have discussed in previous episodes, Eventually, you'll need to set up a chart of accounts in your own accounting system for your company. I have done many webinars showing how to set up a chart of accounts, and you can find some of these videos on www.bookkeepermensch.com. I also do webinars on this subject for BOC, also known as the Business Outreach Center of Brooklyn, New York, which is a nonprofit organization. If anyone wants an invite for upcoming free webinars that they sponsor, please let me know by emailing me at bookkeepermensch at gmail.com and I'll gladly put you on their mailing list. Now let's continue our trek into small business accounting. This week, we'll discuss all about the chart of accounts, also known as the COA. Since I primarily do bookkeeping for smaller to mid-sized companies, I set up the expense accounts relatively close to the tax form that that particular company would be using. For an example, if they're a sole proprietorship or a single-member LLC, I'll set up the expenses as they are on the Schedule C form to make it easier for the accountant or the tax preparer at tax time. I might use slightly different terminology, but the meaning will always be the same. Then I add specific categories that might be unique for that particular company and any subcategories that they might need. For an example, rent is a standard expense account, but the subcategories for rent, a company might pay rent on a storage unit or on rental equipment. These would be attached to the main category of rent, but in most accounting software be indented under the main category of rent so that the subcategories will add up to the main rent category when you're running reports. Another example would be auto or vehicle expenses. The subcategories should be gas or fuel, vehicle maintenance, and local parking. Most accountants have asked me for these categories for many years. If you are traveling for business and you rent a car and pay for parking for that car, 
then that parking expense could be under a travel expense. The typical travel expenses are lodging or hotels, parking, car rental, airfare, travel meals, and trains or buses, meaning longer distance, not local trains or buses like MTA. If you're traveling and you must purchase some aspirin at a drugstore, for an example, that purchase would not be a travel expense. It could go under another standard expense account, which is in every chart of accounts called office supplies or office expenses. You don't have to separate office supplies that you buy locally and what you buy on the road. If you're purchasing a gift for a client when you're traveling, that purchase would go into an advertising expense account, sub-account, called client gifts. If it's purchased locally or on the road in Las Vegas at a work convention. Meals is an interesting category. Before 2017, the IRS category used to be called meals and entertainment. But the law changed and entertainment expenses are no longer included. So if you bring a client to a Broadway show or a movie or any kind of an entertainment venue, it's no longer deductible for the business. That would now be booked as a personal expense under the equity section of the chart of accounts or a distribution account, also equity, if the company is a partnership or a corporation. When I set up the chart of accounts, I now use the term business meals. The sub-accounts are as follows. Number one, client meals. These are restaurants and delivery, and they're 50% deductible at tax time. Staff meals, if you purchase lunch for all of your employees, this would be 100% deductible. Working meals, if you are a one-person operation or self-employed, meals that you as the owner of the company get delivered and you eat and work at the same time and do not stop work to eat, then that is considered a working meal, 100% deductible. And in some cases, I add another account called business development. This would be under meals because if you take out a prospective client for a meal, you're really developing potential business, but it's still a meal. So IRS understands it's under that for tax purposes. It's under business meals, but you as a bookkeeper or as a company owner might want to see the individual specific funds spent on developing your business that just happens to be a meal. As I said earlier, meals travel is under the travel category because if it's ever looked at by the IRS and they see lodging, airfare, trains, and other travel expenses, they also want to see meals as a travel expense. If you eat at the hotel that you're staying at and don't eat at any outside restaurants, then you need to get an itemized receipt showing the room costs versus the meal costs from the hotel. Also in the travel category, all business trips should be on a calendar of some kind 
So if audited, you can prove your traveling schedule matches the travel expenses in the books. What do you do if you're traveling for business and you're at the airport and buy lunch when you're waiting for your flight to take off? If you buy water at the airport, that's considered an office expense or a little snack that's in a bag that you can eat like chips or nuts or cookies could be an office supply. But if you purchase a whole lunch at an airport restaurant, then what category do you use? Is it a business meal or a travel meal? Each one should be looked at by the accountant because they all have different opinions. But in general, if you're at your local airport leaving for a business trip, I'd put that in the regular business meal category. If you're at an airport returning from your trip, I'd put that as a travel meal. No definite hardcore rules here other than the accountant or the tax preparer looking at the overall numbers in both of these categories and making a decision on what makes sense from a tax standpoint. Even during an audit at the IRS, they won't really pick on the categories since travel meals and local meals are both 50% deductible. Many years ago, I had a client audited by mail, not an in-person audit, because the client was moving from New York City to California and took several trips there when they were finding an apartment and having meetings with the new company that the client would be working for as a full-time employee. At that point, the client was self-employed. The IRS was questioning the amount in the total travel category on the tax return for the business, so we had to send specific bookkeeping reports as to what was in the travel category, and the client had to explain each and every line item. At the end of the day, we had to move some of these expenses to a personal expense from moving expenses, which are tax deductible, on the 1040 personal tax form. They didn't all belong to the business as tax deductions on a Schedule C. So the client didn't lose any deductions. However, the IRS wanted to see these deductions differently since the client was closing her LLC and moving to start a W-2 job for a large company. Hence, the accountant had to amend that tax return to satisfy the IRS, even though no additional money was owed. Local transportation. This category kind of catches all. I name it taxi and local transportation, which is what they use on most tax forms. You don't need subaccounts on this category unless you want to. This category includes MTA subways and buses, bicycle rentals, gas for the scooter that takes you to work, taxis, Uber, Lyft, and other modes of transportation. Even if you travel out of state on business, once you are in another city or state and you take a taxi or a subway trip, it's still considered local travel and not a regular travel expense like a hotel or airfare. If you rent a car for a few hours to be used 
100% locally, it could go under local transportation and maybe a sub-account called rental cards, which would be different than if you're traveling and renting a car in another in another state that you would probably want the rental car to be under a travel expense. What do you do if you're using your own personal car or vehicle for business purposes? There are a few ways of accounting for this. Number one, you can use the auto expense account that I spoke about earlier and track the gas, maintenance, and parking for the year. You can then determine the percentage of the time that you use the vehicle for business versus personal. If it's determined that you use the vehicle for business 20% of the time, then 80% of those expenses get adjusted out of the business expenses by the accountant or a good bookkeeper who knows how. Number two, you can take odometer readings every time you use your personal vehicle for business purposes. You can track your miles for the car and at the end of the year get reimbursed for the use of your personal vehicle. In 2022, it's 58.5 cents per mile would be reimbursed to you personally, not income taxable, January through June. And the last six months of 2022, because of inflation, that 58.5 cents per mile went up to 62.5 cents per mile. So depending on how many miles you've traveled for the year, the reimbursement could cover all of the repairs and maintenance to that vehicle. Three, there are some fancier ways of dealing with a personal car usage for business as well. If you have a corporation, then the corporation can purchase your personal car from you and then it's owned by the company. So it's 100% tax deductible as an asset and All the expenses, the gas and the parking and everything else is 100% deductible on your profit and loss. However, if there's litigation against your company, the vehicle isn't protected as if it was owned by you as an individual. If you have a personal vehicle, rather than tracking it as a regular business expense under auto expenses, you could track it as a personal vehicle under the category of, quote, other expenses, which is at the very end of your chart of accounts. And then at the end of the year, the accountant or your bookkeeper can make an adjustment between business expenses and personal expenses with that 80-20 or 50-50 or 60-40. For small businesses that are in the process of growing, having a longer chart of accounts with sub-accounts could be a good thing for the business owner. It allows the owner to see exactly how their money is being spent and it's easier to make decisions on where to cut costs. However, with many people using the online versions of accounting software, there's usually a limit to the number of accounts you can have in the chart of accounts. In QuickBooks Online, for an example, You are limited to 250 accounts, which really isn't much at the end of the day, except for the advanced edition of QuickBooks Online, which is 
around $200 a month. That advanced edition has unlimited accounts in the chart available to you. However, as the company grows, the number of accounts generally decreases. Once you're making money and you have definite patterns in how money is made and spent, you don't need nearly as many specific sub-accounts. You can have one bank charges expense account, for an example, rather than sub-accounts that include wire transfers, monthly bank fees, and foreign transaction costs. You also could have just one office supplies expense rather than coffee and snacks, general supplies, and water. Larger companies, and sometimes smaller companies as well, have a different philosophy on how they want to see their chart of accounts. Rather than all the sub-accounts and all the specific categories, they might want to see operating costs versus soft costs. This is more difficult at tax time for the accountant to pull out all the categories in the books to match the tax forms, but that's okay if it helps the business owner manage their own company. Operating costs would be rent, payroll, regular monthly maintenance of equipment or plumbing, and the softer expenses would be meals, travel, dues and subscriptions, local travel, office supplies, and other things that could be adjusted as the company can afford these extra expenses. The operating cost would be what we call a nut, that is, costs that are fixed and needed to keep the company going. The absolute minimum, rent, in some cases property taxes, payroll, subcontractors, and repairs and maintenance, depending on the kind of business you have. If you develop a chart of accounts that way, it'll look much different from the chart of accounts that I was talking about for most of this episode. Please email me at bookkeepermensch at gmail.com if you'd like me to email you a sample of the chart of accounts that I've been talking about today in this episode. Also email me if you have any specific subjects that you would like me to discuss in upcoming episodes. If you have questions about this or earlier podcasts, please email me so that I can answer those questions in either upcoming episodes or email directly back to you. A last thought here, my default thinking about the software to use for most of my clients is still the desktop edition of QuickBooks, which is a very popular software here in the U.S. It's a very robust software with unlimited chart of accounts so that I don't have to worry about hitting a limit. It also has very robust reporting and generally much faster because it doesn't use the internet to go from screen to screen. It's now an annual subscription-based software, the same as the online edition that started in 2022, but much less expensive than the online versions. And additional software that is available for the desktop version, which allows you to collaborate between two users at two different locations using the internet that you can get for around $15 a month is available. I have had clients who have started off in the desktop edition, 
decided to move to the online edition and found that the reporting wasn't as good as what they hoped and realized that it was more money on an annual basis and they decided to go back to the desktop edition. In my practice, still the majority of my clients are on the desktop edition and not the online version. Some of it depends on the personality and the needs of the business owner. There are business owners who want to check their books every day. They want to see the deposits. They want to run reports of expenses two or three times a week. They can do that more easily with the online editions. I do, however, have requests all the time from clients who are using the desktop edition, which lives on my PC in my office, for reports that they need And if I get that request, I will stop what I'm doing and send them what they need within minutes if I'm not teaching a webinar or in a meeting with another client in my office. So all of this depends on the personality and needs of the business owner and the personality of the remote bookkeeper, which is getting more and more the norm for small businesses these days. Because business owners can't get into their own books whenever they want, A large part of my practice is customer service. That is, serving the client's needs even after 5 p.m. And yes, even on weekends, which I am more than willing to do unless I'm on vacation or not in front of a computer. The chart of accounts is the whole backbone of your company. So the categories are really going to tell you what you need to know about managing your company and gives you the information on making decisions moving forward with the company in the future. Thank you for listening again, and I apologize for the gap between episodes from the last episode to this one, but it's been a very busy period the last month or so with some IRS deadlines coming up. I hope to be back on a regular schedule moving forward. As always, I'm Paul Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Oh,